Good morning, Vineyard family, friends, and those watching online. Uh, thank you for joining us in the Vineyard. And uh, we uh, just covet your prayers as we're traveling. Uh, we just pray for, uh, you know, us to be safe. Keep us in prayer. Uh, and we just let you know that we'll miss being here, but we're here uh, by the miracle of technology. So uh, welcome to the Vineyard. If you're a guest, uh, my name's Jamie, and my wife and I have the privilege of leading the church, and we're honored to have you with us this morning. Wasn't it a great time having Costa speak to us the last couple weeks? Uh, as I told you, he, he's a patriarch. He's the father of fathers in, the, in our movement in the Vineyard. And he's just filled with the wisdom of God and, and God's grace and joy. And so those messages are archived. Welcome you to go online and, and look at them, especially his marriage uh, seminar that he did uh, on Friday night uh, last week. It would be wonderful on your relationship to spend some time and invest and, and watch that. We're in this series called Empowered, which is really targeting uh, the Holy Spirit and his role uh, in our lives. And as uh, Costa talked about, discovering who we are through God and not on our own initiative and our own understanding, but that we start with the premise and understanding that we've been made wonderfully by God. So you, you will never know who we are fully until we know who we are to our creator, God. But this morning, I, I want to kind of bring us to the foundation of salvation and our relationship with God through the Holy Spirit. And so I want you to join me in the Gospel of John, uh, chapter 2. Uh, we're going to end where uh, Jesus had performed the miracle of turning the water into wine. Uh, John ends uh, that story by putting in context what was going on around Jesus at the time. Verse 23 of chapter 2 of the Gospel of John. Now, while he was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, many people saw the miraculous signs he was doing and believed in his name. Now, now you would think that's revival, that's church, that's excitement, that's, you know, as one TV preacher used to say, a miracle a day keeps the devil away. Well, you know, I, I, I don't think that's very good theology, uh, but... I want you to see there's a journey here in faith. Uh, th this is a beginning point. There are those that mocked his miracles. There's those that uh, just un unbelievers that rejected him and despised him. These are people that are interested. They're intrigued. But there's something deficient in their faith. You say, how do I know that, Jamie? Well, look at the next verse with me, verse 24. But Jesus would not entrust himself to them. And the reason, for he knew all men. He did not need man's testimony or opinion or philosophy or anthropology. He didn't need man's testimony about man, for he knew what was in a man. So I want to just start here with our, our understanding of, 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 of Jesus and his commitment to faith, responding to our faith. There was something deficient in these people because Jesus held back. He didn't go all in. I, I mean, that, this is both uh, intriguing to me, but it also puts a good holy fear in me that, that you can have a superficial, deficient religious faith in Jesus and not know him personally. You can go to church. 
many, many people that attend services of whatever kind, vineyard, Baptist, charismatic, signs and wonders, they go there, but they don't know him. They know about him, they vote on him, but they don't have a personal relationship. That may be some of you that are listening to me this morning. When, when it says that Jesus withheld, it's not out of some sense of you're not good enough because he comes after the worst of the worst. What he's doing is he's saying, I can't respond to the way you are coming towards me, the way your, your belief is deficient. And if I responded as though this is what it is, that you're in a good place, then you'd be confused and misunderstand. So these people are missing connecting to become Jesus's disciples. And they were just a crowd of interested religious seekers. And Jesus knows what's in us. A, because he's the creator. John begins his gospel, chapter one, telling us everything that was made was made by Christ. He was the eternal son of God that he was there in creation. He was there with Adam and Eve. He was there when Adam and Eve sinned. He knows the, the, the brokenness, the fallenness of humanity, which our world is created. It's like every time there's another mass shooting, the world goes insane again with, well, you don't know. You know, they want to blame this, blame that. And they don't grasp the reality of evil that's in all of us, the propensity in all of us to be uh, broken evil people is there. Uh, it, it, we're only a couple choices away from becoming some psychotic killer. You say, that's in all of it. Jesus knows the depth of our depravity more than we do. Most people are uh, unaware of it. We're going to meet a guy in a moment that's completely unaware of his deep need for Christ not to repair him and patch him up, get him back in the religious game, but he needs a radical transformation. Now remember, there's no chapter divisions as you as the Bible is originally written. So John is telling us about Jesus knew what was in man. He didn't need man's testimony about man. You know, he didn't care about the wisdom of man about man. He knew all men. Now, chapter 3, verse 1. Now, there was a man, a humanoid, uh, an anthropos. Uh, this is just a, 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 the language of, this is a broken, flawed man of the flesh. He's human, and which is all of us. So you can put your name in here, but he's going to use one man to illustrate the deficiency of a faith that just stops at the miracles, just stops at intrigue, just stops at a sense of, of oh, I feel pretty good because I'm not as bad as other people. There was a man of the Pharisees, which means he was the religious priest, leader, of the culture religiously looked up to as a holy, sacred man. This isn't some uh, uh, murderer or thief or, or a violent criminal. This is a who's who in the culture. He comes to Jesus. His name's Nicodemus. He's a member of the Jewish ruling council. Verse 2, he came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you're a teacher who has come from God for no one could perform the miraculous signs you're doing if God were not with him. Now you would think Jesus would say, Atta boy, Nick, what a way to what a way to come. You know, you're 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 amazing me with your faith. But in reality, he's 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 telling on himself here because he's not coming, he doesn't come with a question. There's no Lord help me. 
uh, Jesus, I need forgiveness. He didn't follow where John, in a chapter earlier, in chapter one, uh, two chapters, John the Baptist is preaching, telling people like him to repent of your evil deeds. He calls them a, a, a brood of vipers, uh, uh, sinful. These are the religious people, and they rejected John and were unwilling to humble themselves as Jesus did, though unnecessarily. Jesus was baptized, not because he was a sinner, but because he was coming to identify with us in our sin to take upon him the sin of the world, to become that, as John calls him at his baptism, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And when Jesus was baptized, we'll come back to this in a minute, he sanctified baptism as being our model and example of the requirement. Baptism is the call to repent. It's a call to turn. It's a call to come under and be identified with Christ. Now, Nicodemus comes along and he says, Lord, we know. Look, look again with me in, in verse uh, 2. Rabbi, he doesn't call him Lord, but Rabbi, which is a, a, a term of honor. Rabbi, we know. You know so there's this intellectual, religious uh, certainty uh, that Jesus is about to blow out of the water. But he's got this, this cocky confidence. It's, it's, uh, and and it's, it's most of us are that way, if we'll be honest with ourselves and with the world. We think our opinions, our ideas, our philosophies are, 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 are always right, or we, we're better than, you know. So he comes with this, this but he comes at night. Now, that John doesn't just throw that in for, for you know, some, some intriguing commentary. This is a guy that's afraid to go public with his faith in Jesus. He, he was interested and intrigued. The, the miracles gave him a, a sense of this guy is, is from God, but boy, there's a cost if I go after him. In fact, hold your finger here, if you will, and I want you to see uh, 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 later Jesus references this cost in John chapter 12 where he Obviously, Nicodemus would fall into this category in, uh, in, in John chapter 12, <clears throat> verse, verse 42. John 12, 42. Jesus, uh, and it says in verse 42, yet at the same time, many, even among the leaders, believed in him. So here's this faith again, but it's deficient faith. Verse uh, 42, but because of the Pharisees, they would not confess their faith for fear they would be put out of the synagogue. So there's this fear that stops them from going public with their faith, which keeps them as a secret but a unfulfilled believer, not one that's going to see the kingdom come. So that Jesus, he tells the root reason, verse 43, for they, or John does as he's writing it, they love the praise from men more than the praise from God. In other words, this is what part of what Jesus meant by, I know what's in all men. I know that you, Nicodemus, care more about what your friends think about you than you care what I think about you. I know that you don't want to go public. You're coming at night, as many. They would not be identified with me and pay a price. It's like the parable that Jesus told of the seeds, and some seed fall on this ground and this ground. This, one of them falls on the ground, and it's shallow, the root comes up, the plant springs up quickly, but the, the root is not 
down into the earth to get moisture. And it says when hard times come, it withers away. There, this is why Jesus said, I, I'm not, I'm not going to trust in you at this point because you haven't fully trusted in me. You've not wholeheartedly come to me. You're, you're like this guy, Nicodemus. You, 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 you're trying to be good. That's fine. You're religious. But you know, religion is probably one of the greatest battlegrounds of people against God because there's religion and then there's the kingdom of God and the righteousness of Christ that you have to die to your religion, die to your goodness, die to your self-effort to enter into the kingdom. So Jesus is about to tell us about that very thing. So let's go back to John chapter 3. So he comes, we know, no questions, he's secretive. He goes, yes, yes, I don't want anybody to know for sure. Let me just ask you a question before I move on. Do your good friends know that you are a lover of Jesus? Do your children know? Your grandchildren? Someone shared the other day about having a grandchild in church, first time he'd been to church in years and years, and they'd not been to church together, and, and, he, and, and he looked up and he saw his grandpa with his hands up in the air, worshiping. And, and, the, and you could see his eyes were all big, and, and he, got, he got to talk to his grandson about loving Jesus and publicly acknowledging your affection for Jesus. And what a learner. I never got to see my dad uh, worshiping with his hands up. I never saw my dad cry before the Lord. And what a, what a powerful teaching moment to, to when, you're, when your faith is secretive, it's deficient. It's, it's missing the power of the Holy Spirit. So Nicodemus, Jesus doesn't even respond to whatever. He just comes out and he's going to shock him. It's, I don't mean it this way in a bad way, but it's like the Lord goes whack and just smacks Nicodemus. He doesn't, but that's what he does in the spirit because it says in verse 3, Jesus replies to Nicodemus and he says, I tell you the truth and no one can see the kingdom of God unless he's born again. Now, in, in the, our version here, it translates, he told him, he said, I tell you the truth. But the original Greek language here uh, that's translated, I tell you the truth, has the same word twice. It's the double amen. Jesus basically, the King James, the old version of the English Bible, translates it, truly, truly, I say to you, but what Jesus really says is amen and amen. The word amen means this is totally true. I agree with this. I concur. May it be so. And so Jesus is going to contrast Nicodemus's prideful, we know, with amen. Buddy, listen to what I'm about to tell you. This is life-changing. Everything in your existence depends on the rest of what I'm about to tell you. This is crucial. If you miss this, you miss everything. He says, I tell you the truth. Amen to amen. Unless a man, there we go again, is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, a couple things just to clarify. The word uh, born again can be translated as that, as in a new birth, but it also carries with it the meaning of being born from above it, it so people argue is it this or that and it's like usually with God it's big enough to put his arms around both it's being born again 
by the Spirit from above. So it's both. So, so Jesus is saying to Nicodemus, you need a miracle, buddy. Your only hope is a miracle. You're not going to change and be transformed and become my disciple just because you see some miracles. It's not enough. You need me. You need an encounter with me in such a way that my kingdom is opened up to you. Now, what is the kingdom of God? Well, there's two aspects. The kingdom of God is the activity or the event of God's rule. So it's where God's ruling, how God's ruling. In this sense, Jesus is bringing salvation, which is a, another word, another a synonym for kingdom. John only uses the word kingdom of God twice in his whole gospel because he often will use the word eternal life or salvation to fill in the, the, the meaning of the kingdom. Because what Jesus is talking about is God's event of salvation is come in Christ. He's come from above. He's brought the kingdom, and that event heals people, saves people, forgives people, delivers people. It's, a, it's an event, and it's also a realm. A kingdom is a, not a geography, but spiritually, it's a, it's a realm over which God rules. So he's telling Nicodemus, until you get a new king, until you, you basically die and be brought back, you're, you're dead already, but just you recognize it through repentance and you need a, a new birth. And Nicodemus is like, what? Huh? Now remember, this is the guy that ought to know this stuff. Verse 4, he says, how can a man be born when he's old? Nicodemus asked, surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born. Now, this is just stupid, you know, and I, I don't think he's stupid. I think he's sarcastic here. I think he's somewhat mocking. Uh, what He's so stuck on this plane. Jesus knew what was in all men. He knew Nicodemus is locked into this blindness. He doesn't see the kingdom. He hasn't entered the kingdom of God. He hasn't submitted to God's rule in his life and renounced him being in charge of his own life. How can that be kind of a gross thing, a thought of going back to your mother and saying, excuse me, mom, I got to get back in here and uh, start over? Because Jesus told me I, I have a bad birth. I, I'm, something's wrong with me because he knows what's in all men and something's wrong with all men. And you can't go back in your mother to do it again. There's no do-overs or self-improvement that's going to change you. There's no religious whatever. There's not enough miracles for you to see the kingdom if you don't let the kingdom come into you. Jesus responds with how can this be in verse 5. He says, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he's born of water and the spirit. Now why we get the word spirit here, we're born from above by the spirit. What's the water? Well, and it's, it, there's there's some different views, but I strongly lean towards water representing the, the believer's baptism because John had just been baptizing people to prepare them for Christ who is coming. But after Christ has come, died, and resurrected, believers who are baptized, we'll see this in the book of Acts, they believed and were baptized and received the Holy Spirit. Water baptism without the Spirit is meaningless. It's a religious activity. 
It's like what many people did with babies. You know, they get them wet, and they, they do some religious ceremony. But that's not what Jesus is talking about. Jesus is talking about a radical transformation. That water baptism is kind of the publicness of that transformation. That without the Spirit, it's just a religious thing. We're going to have a baptism at the end of this, uh, at the end of May on Pentecost Sunday, uh, and, and it's going to be exciting. We at the Vineyard, we never see the kingdom of God more than when we are baptizing people. Why is that? Because it's that public identification that Jesus is my Lord. We ring the bell when people stand publicly, when they come out of the dark and the shadows, when they take their faith public, something changes. But then there's that act of surrender in baptism that you're identifying with the death of Jesus, that, that, that you're identifying with the new life, which is the born from above through the Holy Spirit. So Jesus says, if you're not born of the water and the Spirit, there's a great line in the movie Jesus Revolution where Lonnie's standing up and he's inviting people to come to the beach and be baptized. And he said, for you must be born, and he quotes this verse, of water and the Spirit. The new birth is the greatest miracle that we'll ever witness that the Word of God records. Now, obviously, the resurrection of Jesus is what makes that miracle possible. But that's why as a church, we've determined because of the scriptures and the kingdom of God, the message of the gospel is central to everything we do. Calling people to, to experience this is the greatest miracle ever. If I laid hands on a cancer person and they get healed, wonderful. And we will hopefully see those things happen. But that doesn't change people's hearts. You could, lay, you could bring a casket in here on a Sunday morning, lay hands on a dead body, they, <coughs> they sit up and everybody sees it happen. Jesus did it, and people still didn't believe. They'll, 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 their unbelief resists. Miracles and signs point to Jesus, but if you don't connect with Jesus, they're not enough. So here's this guy, oh my gosh, well, I got to be born again, born of the water and the spirit. I got to go public in my faith. I've got to be identified with Christ. I don't know if I can do that. Well, Jesus gives him the encouragement and the explanation in, in verse six. He says, flesh gives birth to flesh. In other words, humans can only produce more of human. I can't produce the kingdom. I can't produce a miracle. I can't produce the Holy Spirit. I can't produce salvation. Nobody can. I can only allow the Father by his spirit to bring his kingdom among us. And then he says, you should not be surprised, verse 7, at my saying you must be born again. And this is why. The wind blows wherever it pleases. Now here he's, he's, he's using the wind as a picture, a beautiful picture. I could literally spend weeks teaching on this. There's so much in it. But the wind or the spirit blows wherever it pleases. In other words, you don't tell the Holy Spirit what to do. You don't control the Holy Spirit. Nobody does. Anybody that acts like they do, anybody that acts like they've got him all wrapped up in a formula, and anybody that acts like that they're kind of the boss, uh, we live in a dependency. We're going to talk more about that next week, that even Jesus had to depend on the wind of the Holy Spirit or he would have produced nothing from his own strength. So it says the, the, the spirit blows wherever he wants. You hear its sound or voice. In other words, when the leaves rustle, 
you know the wind's blowing. I, I can't see it, but boy, when the leaves are rustling, when the wind is howling, you can know it's, it, and then he says, we can hear its effects, basically, and then he says, you can't tell where it came from or where it's going, so is everyone born of the Spirit. In other words, there's a mystery to this kingdom of God thing. You, you, can't, you can't package it. You can't quantify it. You can't control it. Uh, a few weeks ago, when we were singing uh, in one of the services, we were, we were singing in Spanish, and, and one phrase, you could feel the whole congregation, the wind of the Spirit went, and he breathed on that, and it just went to a whole nother level. And, and, and we discerned that and came in, let's just, more, Lord. We're not, we're not making the Lord do it. We're seeing the Lord do it, and we're coming in with it. When we, through our leader, John Wimber, he took a lot of heat on this, the, the, the most uh, classic vineyard prayer that's out there is, come Holy Spirit. And that offended a lot of people because it sounds like we're telling the Holy Spirit what to do. But the reality is we're boldly welcoming the Holy Spirit because we know if he doesn't do what he does, we can't do anything. When we say, come, bienvenitos, espirito, we're saying, you are welcome. Come take charge. Come in your power and authority. But I can't make it, I, I can't whip up that... <sighs> I can't make the Holy Spirit, but I can put my sails up and I can say, come Holy Spirit. And wherever he blows, we're going to follow. So he's giving Nicodemus this revelation that you need a new birth. It's got to be something that comes from the Holy Spirit. It's a miracle. If you today are sitting here with a relationship with Christ, you didn't make it happen. You didn't cause it. It's a miracle. The wind of the Spirit blew and you said yes. I want you to just stop for a moment and just say with me, I'm a miracle. Just say it. I'm a miracle. Now, you might think I'm a piece of work. You might be a piece of work, but you're a piece of God's work. You're a miracle. If, not like Nicodemus, who thought he was a, a good piece of work, he thought he was good enough and just needed a few patches and a couple miracles. And No, he needed a radical transformation. Now, what I love about this story is it, 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 it builds in chapter 7, we find Nicodemus again, kind of, he doesn't go public, but it's a little bolder, and he questions the religious leaders of wanting to, 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 to crucify Christ without a trial. So he, he advocates a little bit for a trial. But then when Christ is crucified, I want you to go here with me, because John, this is such a beautiful picture of what the process of being born again it's not just like a lightning bolt that we know when, the day, the hour, the place, the location. I mean, I cried out to Jesus so many times wanting to be born again. I don't know when I was born again, but I know what happened in me that evidenced I was born again. When I got baptized in 1975, months of being uncertain, am I really a Christian? When I got baptized and God put his spirit on me like a seal, like we've been talking about in our small group, series he breathed into me and released spiritual gifts i had this knowing this this as one uh preacher described it liquid love it just warmed all over that cold water and my body came with liquid love and and i knew from that point i've had doubts and struggles and fears and failures but i've never doubted that i'm god's child because it's the holy spirit that witnesses 
to my spirit that I'm born again. I can't just say it. I've got to know it. Jesus comes up to, uh, to uh, 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 Nicodemus and says, amen and amen. It's not what you know that's going to give you new life. It's what Jesus knows and he can give you. Now look what happens. Jesus is crucified. He's, he's, he's laying on the, on the ground in a bloody mess. All the disciples have fled in fear. And John brings out this amazing uh, part of the cross in chapter 19, verse 38. Later, Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate. Now, he's the Roman religious leader who said, crucify him. Okay, so now this is Joseph going to the one that put Christ to death. And he says, he goes for the body of Jesus. Now, Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly because he feared the Jews. Now, he's in that category we looked at in chapter 12 that he won't confess Christ publicly because he feared what others thought. Like some of us, you're, you're afraid your friends may laugh at you. What's amazing to me is how bold we can be about so many other things that are insignificant compared to being born again, whether it's politics and how bold you can be with your politics, how bold you can be with your opinions and convictions and quoting this commentator and quoting that and who cares nobody's going to get to heaven by your politics or your sports or your financial whatever it is that 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 you're you you feel bold to talk about jesus said i want you to talk about me not in some weird religious way condemning others but in a real way that you've experienced god in a way that changed your life so here's joseph he's being changed as the wind blows on him he goes and in fact it says and, and you can write this verse down and you can look it up later or maybe they'll throw it up on the screen but in uh, mark uh, 15 43 about the same story it says and joseph went boldly what happened the holy spirit is blowing on him there's new life emerging he goes boldly from being a secret disciple to boldly go into the to the, to the ruler of, 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 of the Jew, over the Jews, the Roman uh, governor, Pilate. And he goes secretly because he feared the Jews. Pilate's permit, got Pilate's permission. He came. Where did he come? Not to a morgue. He comes to the cross. He comes to the dead body of Jesus. He comes where the blood has been shed from his side, the blood and the water which is the, the sacraments, it's, the, it's our salvation comes out of his side, the blood that, 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 that forgives us and cleanses us, the water that represents the spirit and the renewal of baptism, it comes out of him. And here he is, the blood's on the ground, Jesus is laying there, emaciated, dead body. The disciples are gone, they, they're, they're hopeless, they're, they're fearful, but the fearful ones before this are now becoming the bold ones and look who comes with joe joseph what who comes in his nick verse 39 he was accompanied by nicodemus now come on this is change this isn't lord we've uh, we know that you are a teacher come from god this is nicodemus that the holy spirit is bringing the kingdom of god within him he's unveiling who jesus is to him not by a miracle, but by a dead body. Don't miss this. And so they come to Pilate, and it says in verse 38, with Pilate's permission, he came and took the body away. 
Think about it. They're picking up Jesus. They're picking up the hope of the, of the nations. They're picking up the Messiah, but he's dead. But oh, something's happening. They're not. See, he, he was going to be buried in a criminal's grave. He was going to be buried as a criminal, but they took him. No, and it says that Joseph had purchased a new tomb, had it carved out, and he gave Jesus. You know, he was born in a borrowed manger. He's buried in a borrowed tomb. And no dead body has ever been in that tomb. But they carry. Can you imagine what's going on? And it says in John here that Nicodemus, uh, verse 39, who accompanied by Nicodemus, who had come to Jesus by night, uh, brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes like the wise men, about 75 pounds. They took Jesus' body and the two of them wrapped it with spices and strips and linen in the accordance of the burial customs at the place where Jesus was crucified. There's a garden, and in that garden, there's a new tomb that no one had ever been laid because it was the Jewish day of preparation, and since the tomb was nearby, they laid Jesus there. Wow, wow. That is, that just, that just grips me. They, they, they tenderly washed the body. You know what's going on in them. It's not just guilt and shame and why didn't we come. It's, it's faith has come alive. The kingdom of God, they're seeing through the dead body. The resurrection hasn't even happened yet, but they knew he talked about it. It wasn't a miracle that moved them to salvation. It was a dead body. It was Jesus's love manifested on a bloody cross. It was for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life or have the kingdom, the kingdom of God. They're seeing it. They're seeing the king. And there's that deep sense of hope. And it even says that Joseph, they, and I'm sure he had lots of servants, a lot of money, they rolled the stone in front of the grave to protect the body. But there's got to be that sense of there's another day coming. There's a new day coming. I don't know any more about the story of these two other than they're the first rock foundation of the new community that the Holy Spirit breathed the wind through the dead body. That's why when we baptize, we're buried like Christ. You've got you to, we have to be identified with Jesus, not only publicly, but we have to be identified with him and dying with him and that he, our life is no longer ours. It belongs to him. We're born again to see the kingdom to enter the kingdom let the winds blow this morning let the holy spirit breathe we can't see it i can't see oh look the holy spirit you can see evidences though sometimes it's tears or laughter or people shaking or sometimes it's just the boldness of someone in a moment taking an opportunity to say i say yes to jesus as lord i don't want to be a closet christian because there's he's not going to give his whole self to you until you give your whole self to him Jesus withholds from those that don't go all the way. If you haven't gone all the way with Jesus in public, confessing him as Lord and, and your life living with him as Lord, and if you haven't gone public in believer's baptism, you're, you're, missing, you're missing Jesus in fullness. You, he's waiting on you. He's not going to make you. Nicodemus, boy, did his faith grow from seeing some miracles. That, yeah, yeah. But to seeing a dead body. That was a greater miracle 
than even Jesus healing and raising the dead because this is love. That's, that, that, he took my place. He loved me. He loves you. Let the wind blow today. Pay attention. It can blow all around you, but if you don't say, yes, Lord, you're going to miss what God's doing. Let's pray. Oh, Holy Spirit, we invite you to come right now. Come on this congregation. Come on those watching online. Would you not breathe as you've already been breathing through your word, as you breathed into Nicodemus and you brought him to a place of new birth, Lord, a miracle only you can do. You transform us, Lord, inside. What a, what a, oh, Lord, would you breathe on people today, Lord, that they'll become like Joseph who had boldness to stand up where he once was cowardly or fearful or worrying about the opinions of others. Lord, would you give courage to those that are whispering to you right now, come, Lord Jesus, into my life. Just invite him right now. Come, Lord Jesus, into my life. I surrender to you as my Lord. Bring your kingdom into my life. Rule over me and give me the courage to go public about my faith. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. I look forward to hearing who we rang the bell for this morning. And, 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 and just remember, this is the greatest miracle you'll ever witness, is the Holy Spirit breathing new life into someone and bringing them into the kingdom. We love you. We're praying. God bless.